For the last few weeks, we have been learning about how to train ourselves to be godly and useful by daring to believe, daring to commit, to be generous, and love, and love others. Today we're going to look at the last theme of dare to hope. And that's the last one in the series. And we're going to look at that last one, the dare to hope one, very briefly examining the life of Nehemiah in rebuilding the broken down wall around the city of Jerusalem. So this, this series is preparing us to be, become more godly and to be useful in the kingdom of God. In this passage that was read, we read Nehemiah telling the people, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. These words were spoken after Nehemiah and the community of Israelites had completed building the broken wall around the city of Jerusalem in a record 52 days. It certainly was not an easy task as they had to face and overcome relentless external threats and internal turmoil in order to achieve this goal. Thus, it was indeed a joyous occasion, and the Lord had helped them accomplish this. It was not accomplished overnight. It was a process. That's what we need to keep in mind. We're going to look at this event, the rebuilding of the wall, through three perspectives. So follow with me as I do that through three perspectives. First perspective is historical. Second perspective is psychological. And the third perspective is theological or spiritual. So three perspective, perspectives, we're going to look at the rebuilding of the wall by Nehemiah. What can we learn from that? Historical, psychological, and theological. Let's look at the historical perspective. After 70 years of captivity in Babylon, the Jews were given the opportunity to return to their homeland, Jerusalem. The first return was under Zerubbabel in 538 BC, and the second was under Ezra, as you can see, under, uh, in 458 BC, and the third return under Nehemiah in 445 BC. The book of Nehemiah begins 15 years after the book of Ezra, or after the book of Ezra ends, almost 100 years after the first captives came back to the promised land. And some 150 years after the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. So you can see it was three returns. Three deportations, three returns. After this long time, the walls of the city of Jerusalem were still in rubble. Before this, the citizens of Jerusalem had tried to rebuild the wall, but had failed. So they had tried, but it wasn't successful. In Ezra 4, 6 to 23, we see that some 75 years before, they had tried to rebuild the wall, but were stopped by their enemies. No one thought this obstacle could be overcome. So the walls lay in ruin, and the people stayed in trouble. Who was Nehemiah? Nehemiah was a 
a cupbearer in the court, in the royal court of the Persian king Artaxerxes. Though he remained in Persia after the exiles had been allowed to go home, he did not go with the other two returns. He stayed. He was very highly interested in the state of affairs in Judah. Nehemiah often inquired about the state of affairs, and Nehemiah heard that, heard the news about the plight of the city and its people from Hanani and men who had come from Judah. And what they heard was this the walls of Jerusalem had been torn down, and the gates had been destroyed by fire. And this news was very discouraging. He mourned, he wept, and he was grieved. So that's the historical background. Nehemiah is the third wave. He goes with a few men, but before he travels, why does he travel? Because he heard this despairing news from his countrymen that the walls are still destroyed. They had tried once, but failed. And that problem filled his heart. That's a historical perspective. Let's look at the psychological perspective. What's the psychology behind this? Hearing the news of the broken walls and the state of his people, he was filled with despair. Nehemiah could have enriched that presenting problem of despair, of broken walls. He's filled with grief. He could have enriched that problem with more themes of hopelessness and despair and continued along that line of thinking and populated it with more thoughts like, it will never get better. Nothing can be worse than this. They tried once and failed. What can I do? They will not accept me if I go there. Because I've been away from the homeland for so long. They will not accept me. I'm a foreigner. He could have populated that problem of broken walls by enriching it with more problematic stories. Stephen Madigan, a Canadian counseling therapist, says, Hopelessness inspires a sad paralysis of belief and performance. Hopelessness directs persons toward a dead-end view of their lives. It, encapul- en- it encapsulates our lived experiences into a small and limiting picture. That's what hopelessness does. However, we are glad that Nehemiah did not do that. He did not populate the problem with more problematic narratives or stories. What he decided to do was he cried unto the Lord. He fasted and prayed to the God of heaven. He hears the sad news. He goes into despair, but he seeks God. Not downward. All of us have problems. All of us. Sometimes too many for us to handle. Too many. But are we populating our already problematic lives 
with now themes of problems i will never get better that is how i am that is how god made me and enriching our already problematic lives with problem stories so instead of seeking god we go down into despair nehemiah looked up to the heavens he was filled with grief he wept he mourned but he used that to fast and pray Psalm 121 and 2 reads I lift up my eyes to the mountains where does my help come from my help comes from the lord the maker of heaven and earth that is where our help comes from and i know some of us sitting here in times of dire straits we would have prayed that prayer lifted our hands and said lord i have nowhere to turn to i turn to you and i've seen miracles happen god making a way where there seems to be no way as nehemiah did this god directed his steps in other words he dared to hope against all odds because he knew for a fact that god was with him now please note here from the time nehemiah got the message to the meeting with the king four to five months had passed it was not an overnight thing from the time he got the message of the broken wall till the time he met the king four to five months had passed the bible records he had waited and prayed fasted and prayed for days probably all those months the answer did not come immediately so it was not a quick prayer and response the bible says he fasted and prayed for days but he dared to hope in god he dared to hope in god do you have a problem that you're facing that's my question to you a terrible news that you received and you feel yourself being pulled into despair stop please stop Don't let despair drag you down into the path of self-pity and loneliness but turn your eyes to God heavenward and to his word and cry out to him fast if you need to he will make a way where there seems to be no way no way so dare to hope in him Before we look any further into the story of Nehemiah the theological perspective I talked about historical I talked about the psychological perspective I want to look at briefly at what is hope and why is it important What is hope why is that important Here you go It's a blank slide no hope But there is But there is what is hope to simply state it to simply state it hope is a fresh way of looking at life or a situation simply stated there are thousands of definitions out there i've been looking at all of it not all of it but most of it 
researching, reading books and things like that. I wasn't satisfied with any except this one. Puts it to us very simply. Hope is a fresh way of looking at, li at life or a situation. A fresh way. This can happen from within self or it can happen from without, from others, from outside of ourself. So hope, a fresh way of looking at things, can happen from within us or from outside. Or it can happen both together. It can happen from within and it can happen from outside. I'll give you some examples to drive this point home. For example, a person who has been laid off from work, is that a desperate situation? Yeah. I was talking to somebody the other day, extremely concerned, lost job. Concerns, mortgage payment, uh, and all the other expenses. Please help me find a job. I work in employment. So, a person who has been laid off, opportunity for that person to go into despair, or opportunity for that person to look at that job loss with a new set of eyes, new perspective, a fresh direction, or a fresh way of looking at it. So, that person sees that as an opportunity to get retrained. So, is that possible? Can that job loss be an opportunity for retraining? So rather than going to despair, can that person have a fresh outlook or new outlook and proceed with that? Another one. A student who just graduated a few months ago and has not found employment, probably four or five months, in the field, not at Tim Hortons, but in the field, meets with an employment professional or a friend who instills a fresh way of looking at job search. So that didn't come from within the person, that came from a helper, from a counselor, from an advisor, who instills a fresh way of looking at the problem, which is, I've graduated, I've spent two years in school, I've spent almost 7,000, close to 10,000 bucks. I've got tuition fees to pay. I haven't found job yet. It's six months. I'm becoming disappointed. So the help comes from outside, a fresh way of looking at that problem. So moving from despair to hope. In addition, this is still psychological perspective. In addition, from a theological perspective, in both these examples, there is the agency of God, who is the source of hope. Keep that in mind. There is the humanistic perspective and the theistic perspective, or the theological perspective. The humanistic world says it comes from within you, it comes from outside, with no reference to God. But we as children of God know that God is the source of all hope. So I need to mention that. As it says in Romans 15, 13, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. He is the source of hope. God is the source of hope.
So keep that in mind. It can come from within. It can come from outside. And God is the source of hope. Why is hope important? What is hope? Why is it important? Why do we need hope? If we don't have hope, something else will take hold of us. And we don't want that happening. That person or that thing is waiting by the doorstep. When hope exits, despair enters. I'll repeat that. When hope exists, 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 yeah, no, exists, despair enters. When hope enters, there is love and joy. Hence, Nehemiah and the people celebrating because the wall was rebuilt. Hope entered. Love and joy. Share with everybody. Go and celebrate. When despair enters, hate and misery gives birth to hate and misery. So that is why hope is important. Hope is important because if we do not let hope enter, then despair will take over. The Bible says in Romans uh, 5, 3, 5, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they are good for us. They help us learn to be patient. And patience develops strength of character in us and helps us trust God more each time we use it until finally our hope and faith are strong and steady. Then, when that happens, we are able to hold our heads high no matter what happens and know that all is well, for we know how dearly God loves us. And we feel this warm love everywhere within us because God has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. So hope does not disappoint because God is the source of all hope. Therefore, when we dare to hope and not to continue to dwell in despair, it helps us trust God more and more and makes us more and more stronger. Now let us look at the theological perspective or the spiritual perspective. The book of Nehemiah can be broadly categorized into two. The first section from verse 1 to 7, sorry not verse, chapters 1 to 7, rebuilding of the wall. 8 to 13, it is renewal of relationship, renewal of relationship. So the broad classification, if you look at any commentary, you can see different divisions, but I chose this one, broad classification, 1 to 7, rebuilding, 8 to 13, renewal of relationships with God and with each other. Let's look at the first section, 1 to 7. Nehemiah was faced with a problem. We're looking at the theological perspective, we're looking at the spiritual perspective. Nehemiah was faced with a problem. But he took steps to deal with it. What were the steps he took? First one, he acknowledged the problem. He acknowledged the problem. He was sad and wept. He did not hear the problem and let it go. Not my business. 
not my concern. I am enjoying a good position with the king. I do not want to jeopardize that. I'm going to let it go. That's their business. That's their problem. He did not deny it. Or he did not blame the others. Firstly, it's very important from the theology, from the theological perspective or spiritual perspective. First and foremost, even if you look at psychology, whatever you look at, first and foremost, what is our problem? We need to acknowledge the problem rather than deny it or cast blame on others or act as if it doesn't exist. It's in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 4. The next step that he did was he resolved to fast and pray. He resolved to fast and pray. It was not a quick fix or fast delivery prayer. But for days he sought the Lord. Then he was able to understand what the Lord wanted him to do. Fasting and prayer is not something that we do. But probably something we need to look at. Especially when we encounter problems. We don't have to wait till problems strike us. Probably it's a good idea. Even if you don't have problems. Just a day of fast and to pray and to be thankful for what the Lord has provided and what you're able to provide as well. So he resolved to fast and pray. So acknowledge the problem, resolve to fast and pray. He dared to hope and took the first step. It's very interesting. He dared to hope and he took the first step. Even though he was terrified to reply to the king, even though he was terrified to come before the king. But he knew full well that God was in control of the situation. And he did answer the king. He did take the first step. He prayed, he prayed and did not sit there praying. He took the first step to go and be in the king's presence. So that the king would recognize and initiate the conversation. Who moved the king? I believe it was God who moved the king to realize there was sadness on Nehemiah's face. Gary Collins in his book writes, Hope is more than the wish that God will perform a miracle. Hope is more than a wish that God will perform a miracle. It is a confidence that God who is living and sovereign also controls all things and can be expected to bring to pass that which ultimately is the best. That is why we dare to hope. That is why we dare to hope. He gained a community of support. Very important. He went and spoke to the leaders and people and encouraged them to join the work. Nehemiah realized that he could not complete the work on his own but needed the support of his people. Nehemiah 2, 17 and 18. He gained the support. That is why the community of believers is very important. Especially when you're dealing with a problem. Without support, we have a higher chance of going into despair. Finally, he was prepared to hold fast till the end. He was prepared to hold fast till the end. Nehemiah and his group of men faced mockery. Ridicule, threats from people outside, Sanballat and his team. And they also had to deal with unhappy people with their problems about finances and resources within their own community. So from outside and within, he had problems. 
Guess what he says in Nehemiah 6.9. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. We don't want it to be completed. So try everything possible. What did Nehemiah do? But I prayed, now strengthen my hands, O God, because I am prepared to hold it, stand my ground, face it, and win it. So this is what we learn from Nehemiah, the theological perspective. Acknowledge the problem, resolve to fast and pray, dare to hope, and take the first step. Take the first step. Gain the community of support, prepare to hold fast till the end. Nehemiah was determined to rebuild the broken down physical wall of Jerusalem as he knew that not repairing it would mean disgrace and destruction at the hand of the enemy. He knew that leaving the wall broken down would mean disgrace and destruction. Question for us, what are our broken down walls? What are the walls in our lives that make us open to attack from the enemy? What problems are we facing today? Is it addiction? A job situation? I know midterms are around the corner. Is it the feeling that how much ever I study, I cannot remember anything? I've, I've always been a B-plus student. I'll never get an A. I will never. Or that professor is a meanie. He'll never make me get an A. What is the problem today? Is it family conflict? Is it a health concern? Like Nehemiah, let us acknowledge the problem. There is a problem. Let us acknowledge that. Resolve to fast and pray. Dare to hope and take the first step. Gain a supportive community or a prayer partner or a group. And finally determine to hold fast till the end whatever the problem be. If anyone would like to pray today about a problem or needs to talk to someone, please do not hold back. Maybe the Lord is working in your heart. Maybe the Lord is speaking to you. Don't hold back. Please come and talk to me or to another elder. We have a few elders here. Or to a church member. There are prayer warriors in our group, in this family. There are people, all of us can pray. Maybe you want to sit with your neighbor and pray. But that community of support is very, very vital. You're not alone. We are there as a community of support to help you dare to hope and move forward. So please don't hold back. Come see me, come see an elder, uh, sit with your neighbor, come find a prayer partner. There is room at the back if you would like to meet in private or if you would like to meet here. The options are varied. Please don't hold back. But if you'd like to do it alone, do it alone. Look up unto heaven because your help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He is the source of hope. Before we end, we're going to respond by reading a few verses as a prayer unto God to give us strength. And dared to hope again. These are the words of Jeremiah the prophet who was lamenting about Israel's situation during exile and daring to hope. Our situation might not be that desperate, okay? 
But reading these verses, we are confessing together as a community, as a community, as a family, that we will dare to hope no matter the situation. As individuals, we have problems. As a church, as a community, as a family, we have struggles. We're going to together now raise our voice and offer this as a prayer of confession unto God and begin to hope or dare to hope no matter our situation. And my prayer is as we do that, we will begin to see how the Lord guides our path. But resolve to hold fast till the end. So please stand with me as we read this passage. It's from Lamentations 3, 19 to 24. We'll read it together in unison at the count of three. One, two, three. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. Yet, I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is His faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in Him.